Hello, welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. In today's episode, we'll speak with Carmen X from my home group, We Agnostics, Kansas City. Carmen shares her story as a transgender woman and a free thinker in Alcoholics Anonymous who found her home in Secular AA. We'll talk about that and much, much more. This was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you will too. Well, hello. Uh, today we're recording from my kitchen table because I have a very special guest. It's Carmen X from my home group, We Agnostics Kansas City. How you doing, Carmen? Hi, uh, John, and thank you for the privilege of being in this lovely home. And thank you for everything that you've done in terms of uh, pushing the secular AA message. Maybe we want to talk a little bit about our, both of our experiences with secular AA. But before we get into that, let's start with the beginning and get to know you a little bit. You want to talk a little bit about your story? Give us your background, um, you know, your basic AA story. Oh, of course. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not unique. I'm your run-of-the-mill uh, alcoholic if uh, uh, you find any propriety in that description. but And I was born like everyone else. But uh, in terms of my local history, uh, I was born in an area of Kansas City that's traditionally described as the, the Hispanic part, uh, the barrio, if you will. I <clears throat> was uh, raised in a uh, uh, good Catholic tradition, elementary, uh, uh, middle school, high school, and uh, the first part of my collegiate experience was uh, under the Jesuits. Uh, and uh, the reason I bring that up is that I uh, have a, a very significant background in terms of religion and the role that it played mm-hmm. in my in the rest of my story. I am also um, transgendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a trans woman, and that is a, a recent. Uh, uh, metamorphosis, if you will, uh, in the last five years. So I'm a trans Hispanic woman alcoholic. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, so th- the rest of my story, I don't think is, is really germane. Uh, I think what is germane is the fact that, uh, my background in religion, uh, led me into a very guilty phase, or at least, uh, while I was drinking and, and uh, thoroughly entrenched in my disease, uh, there was always an element of guilt. And uh, finally, after decades of drinking and the, uh, uh, the threat of losing my family or my, my children specifically, uh, I uh, was uh, with tail between legs uh, forced, mm-hmm. capital F, into uh, an AA hall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll say it right now, I have nothing but respect for traditional AA. <clears throat> I have been sober 18 years. And uh, the first part of that, until I came across uh, secular AA, uh, quite frankly, my life uh, was saved uh, in terms of uh, sobriety. Traditional AA played its its role mm-hmm. Um it, it gave me something to latch onto, the, the concept of higher power, something greater than I. Uh, certainly bode well f- uh, for 
uh, what I felt was helplessness, my inability to think, make decisions on my own uh, <clears throat> without some sort of guidance. Uh, uh, in in this case, uh, an indescribable, incomprehensible uh, higher power, if you will. Now, during my my period of sobriety, as it turned out, uh, uh, I I lost my my family, uh, traditional family. Uh, I still have the love and respect of my daughters, but but uh, things have changed. Not quite like I thought they would. If I had only quit drinking, I would save my family, I would save my home, I would save all of my property and my reputation and so on and so forth. But a lot of, again, a lot of things have transpired since uh, my, my being sober. One day, I had always felt a discomfort in traditional AA. Again, all due respect. Sure. Uh, but uh, there is a uh, a sign that we... Uh, see in a halls many times, and it's think, think, think. Right. And uh, I always uh, looked at that sign and said, "Now wait a minute. I've heard uh, people tell me uh, your best thinking got you here. Um, uh, sit down, shut up, and listen, and so <laughs> so forth." And again, uh, that was very frustrating to me, but I felt, well, I want sobriety more than anything, so I'm going to do what I need to do. As time went on, and uh, I was granted the responsibility of addressing the consequences of the life that I had led, uh, gone through the divorce, uh, and the loss of property, and so on and so forth, I, I began to think, now wait a minute, it seems to me that part of the gift that we receive in sobriety is the the ability to use our intellect in tandem right. with our body and uh so quite frankly i just quit going uh to um uh, AA, mm -hmm. right? That's a very, very dangerous thing to do. I would not, uh, I, I would not tell anyone to do what I did, but just out of frustration. Sure. And fortunately, capital F, fortunately, I remained sober. And quite frankly, uh, I, I was content. Uh, however, uh, browsing through uh, the library at a Barnes and Noble on the mm -hmm. plaza here, I came across um, back in the back, right. in the darkest places of that store. I, I saw a book that caught my eye, and uh, the title of it was AA uh, Cult or Cure. And uh, uh, that was the beginning of my um, awareness of yet another way uh, within within the the, the principles. The, the the principles that are substantial enough to ring my bell. Right. Uh, for, for instance, cleaning house and and, mm. and making amends for the mm. things that you've done uh, in your past. Uh, uh, reviewing your day. Mm. Uh, all of the th some most of the things that I still hold on to. But so I ran home and and looked. Uh, thank goodness for the internet. Yeah. Uh, I looked. I typed in secular AA. Mm. Uh, uh, and lo and behold, I get this big, long Google page <laughs> of possibilities. And right. so I'll stop there uh, because you and I have known one another mm -hmm. for a little bit now within the confines mm -hmm. of, of secular AA. And mm -hmm. and that's pretty much my story. Uh, uh, so right? how long were you um, going to meetings before you stopped going to meetings? Uh, 12 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And during that time, did you, did you identify as an agnostic or an atheist or did you just not care or what was your feeling about uh, the spiritual aspect of the program? I was, um, well, quite, 
honestly, I was uh, presenting a facade. Yeah, uh, I did that. Uh, I held hands at right. the end of the meetings. Right. I, I uh, mouthed the words yeah. uh, of the of the uh, the uh, Lord's Prayer. Right. And during those foxhole times when mm-hmm. I was having trouble, I mm-hmm. found myself on my knees yes, asking for help, yeah. just yeah. in case, kind of like Voltaire sure. did at the very last. <laughs> I, I did the same thing on an airplane during a lot of turbulence. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Just in case, and then and then a P.S. a postscript to Buddha and and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, Islam even, but. Uh, at any rate, and and you know, I think that behavior is very human, uh, especially those of us uh, uh, that were uh, entrenched uh, yeah. and and quite frankly brainwashed uh, right. the first part of our lives. Uh, I had guilt instilled in me by age seven. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, if you want to talk guilt, we could do it for an hour. Okay. But at any rate, uh, yeah, that okay. And um, the and I kind of missed the think 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 part. Was that because the group didn't want to think think think? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's as though uh, you're allowed to think, but what comes out of your mouth after that yeah. period of time of uh, self examination and rational thinking, what comes out of your mouth uh, had better. Uh, be in lockstep right. with the the traditional banter that goes right. on at the beginning, in the middle, and at right. the end. Uh, you know, there were many times I would listen to a story, and I would want to stand up, walk over to the person that was talking, and wring their neck and say, wake up, right. you know, and do what you need to do to be a responsible human being. Yeah. It's just not going to come out of the clouds. Yeah. No, I think I had that same similar, the same experience. I mean, um, I don't know if I believed or not, didn't believe or whatever, but I certainly went through the motions and I did all the praying and everything like that. And when I was talking in meetings, I think people liked what I had to say because I was talking, you know, the way that everybody else was talking. But when I got to the point where I realized that for me, I'm, I'm really an atheist, the, I just couldn't do it anymore. But I did get myself pretty comfortable with AA, you know, and I, I found myself going to the meetings and talking a little bit differently about the program, you know, um, and it wasn't well received. And that's what got us to start these groups. So did you kind of, were you kind of getting, were you kind of feeling uncomfortable like you couldn't be yourself in those meetings? Well, John, uh, again, I'm going to say one last time, I'm talking this this morning uh, with the utmost respect for traditional AA, but but facts and events are what they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I got more secular in my thinking, uh, eyes began to roll and, and, and right. heads began to turn. Right. And then that coupled with my transition over time, yeah. uh, I was eventually actually in one, two, in three different groups, traditional groups, uh, I was asked or at least it was suggested that perhaps I belonged somewhere else, that I was, quote, becoming a distraction. And uh, qu- quite frankly, I understand that behavior. It's very tribal, uh, and, and that it's required in most groups to be, uh, a member of any given tribe. <laughs> and, uh, so as much as it hurt me and as much, as many times as I pointed up to the wall next to the think, think, think to the second tradition, the only requirement, right. much to my chagrin and dismay, 
the door was there. I mean, I was I was sober. I was I was enjoying uh, all of the benefits of, of sobriety. Yeah. Uh, no longer, and so today. When I go to a meeting, I don't really go primarily to for an alcohol problem. I go because I'm a human being with problems and and uh, issues uh, that every human being has. Sure. So yeah, yeah, I was asked to leave. Wow, because of your beliefs, but because of my belief and my transition. And transition. But but I think probably it was more my belief. I mean, I've been in LGBT groups who still are traditional, and I. Yeah, I wonder uh, if a secular uh, presentation, how well it would go there. I mean, the level of tolerance, if you will, in any given group, there's, there's, it's always identifiable by the second or third meeting, you know. Uh, you know what's really odd about our LGBT group here in Kansas City? What's that? Is it's very traditional. Yes, I, I, I find that interesting, and uh, uh, please, all my friends, <laughs> go there. They're not. It's, it's a great group. And I yes, can say, it is. Well, I can go there and say whatever I want, and they're okay with me saying yeah. it. You know? yeah, well, some of them even agree with me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, they need to come to our meetings. and They have a few times, but not that often. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, how ridiculous can you get in terms of the specialization? I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I mean, are do, tribal. Yeah, we are. Do, do I look for Hispanic groups? <laughs> Oh, or do, Hispanic transgendered women groups, yeah. Hispanic transgendered secular groups. I mean, you know, there comes a time where you have got to start uh, being comfortable with right. not only who you are, you're an alcoholic, or, I'm yeah. sorry, I am, and uh, where you are uh, living in terms of the group that you uh, live within. You know, I think the natural inclination for anyone, I I always like to say, when I enter a room, uh, because I'm human, I want all of the tails to wag. I want people to be happy with me when I enter a room, and they're always confident that I will say what they want to say or want to hear. And uh, we'll be tied me if I do not. (laughs) Well, I agree. You know, it has always concerned me that AA is like the rest of society where we're all in our silos. You know, we only talk and we're only um, interacting with people who see the world like we do. And it does concern me. But there still seems to be a need. I mean, we aren't welcome. (laughs) I mean, I hate to say this. I'm like you. I do respect traditional AA. And I, I and I don't even know if a lot of the people that go to these meetings know what's going on. Um, it's not like the whole group gets together and decides to to treat us that way, but there's usually like a few individuals. Um, I haven't been um, overtly asked to leave, but I've been stared down and I've been cross talked and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, that's discrimination. What you what you experience? Of course, of course. And that's why we have to have these groups for now, anyway. Well, I hope I hope that uh, what's who, what was it that Wilson? We we realize we know only a little. Yeah. And I think uh, that right there is yeah. is is the uh, the jewel uh, that that uh, defines our mission. Yeah. As we grow and expand, and not only that, in tandem with me- the medical community yeah. that's zeroing in on the addiction and, and where it is on the brain and, and so on and so forth, uh, who wants to be alcoholic? I've heard yeah. that. I've heard that also. I'm so glad I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, Otherwise, I wouldn't blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
Well, no, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, who wants to be diabetic? Yeah. Who, you know, so on and so forth. It's a, it's a physical disease, and um, I, I I do subscribe to the psychic change piece to it. But guess what? Uh, I latch on to the think, think, think yes. uh, part of it. And yes. uh, I'm proud of the people that I know now within a, a yeah. they are responsible human beings um, and do not rely on uh, something above themselves. Right. Uh, I, uh, I subscribe to the idea that I am not of the type of personality that depends on something that's indescribable because then I stand the chance of rationalizing the so-called intuitive thinking that I'm supposed to get in spiritual terms. And the next thing, I, well, I go out and kill a bunch of people. Well, God told me so, you know, to do it. I mean, that's an extreme example. But what I'm saying is sometimes behavior is not necessarily uh, established on a good moral foundation. Right. And uh, believe me, it was tough because the Catholic thing, oh my goodness, I, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, um, I, um, with me, I, when, I, when I was going through the big book to try to understand this thing, and I was reading the big book, and I noticed all the religious language, and I noticed that it was just like just tagged on. It was just like added on there, and it wasn't really necessary. And it would be like, you know, you'd talk, you'd have this paragraph that would talk about something that we actually do as part of our recovery. And then at the end of the paragraph, they tag on a sentence about how wonderful God is for making it all happen and possible and how it draws us closer to God and everything. And I realized that if they just left that part off and just left the action part in there, mm-hmm. that there wouldn't be, I mean, take the belief stuff to church, whatever. It's Indeed. Not, it's not a big deal. Indeed. So this kind of brings me to a conversation that you and I were having once about um, traditional AA. We were talking about traditional mm-hmm. AA. And I remember mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm tired. I wish that we wouldn't even use the word traditional AA because it's more like we're the traditional AA. We're the ones that are, you know, all inclusive, that are focusing on a simple program of action and all this kind of stuff, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And maybe what might happen, at least I'm hoping, if AA is going to survive, I think it's going to have to happen. I think that I think that they're going to have to modernize. And I think we're going to have to get off of this God stuff so much. And I mean, I'm not saying that people can't believe in God, but not insist that, not, not, not treat it like a religion. When I was in um, Santa Monica at our very first international convention, we had um, Phyllis H. from, she was at the time the general, the manager of the General Service Office of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she was at the convention, and she spoke there. And she was at a um, workshop in Santa Monica, and someone asked her what she thought about all the court rulings that um, described Alcoholics Anonymous as a religion. And she said, well, we just need to stop acting like a religion. Interesting. And I think she's right. And I think that over time, we've started acting that way. And um, what I'm noticing with our group is, you know, I think that probably most of us that go there probably are either agnostic or atheist or for anything, you know, probably not very many believers there. But that might very well change over time, you know. It might just get to be where that whole religion thing is just totally off the table and more groups start adopting a secular format. And we're kind of hoping yeah. that will happen. Well, you know, I see it also as a semantics issue. Uh, you're absolutely right about I, – I, I believe that traditional AA is, in fact, a religion – Almost cultish. Yeah. Uh, if you if you Google the word cult, yeah, you'll find that bullet by bullet by bullet, it 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 provides the definition uh, quite nicely. Yeah. At the end of the uh, book that I made reference to in the beginning of our cast, 
uh, cult or AA yeah. cult or cure. Right. At the end, there is a, a rather interesting piece by uh, Dr. Erickson, I believe his name is, who defines and goes over the type of personality that requires uh, to be told what to do. Right. And uh, again, that if you template that over the, the text of the book, I think I think uh, you'll find that uh, you're right. It has to change. And God could and would if he were mm-hmm, sought. Mm-hmm. I do. I think not. Mm-hmm. I think uh, sobriety comes when you quit drinking. Yeah, period. Right. End of sentence. Right. Uh, the the idea of character defect, I think, is a semantic for sin. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I no longer subscribe to that. That is not that is not the tonic that I need right. anymore in my life. And unlike Voltaire, uh, I certainly hope I won't be reaching out at the last minute. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, just in case. No, I, I subscribe to the rational and and, and uh, intellectual instincts that men and women have been born with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes that's the difference between us and the animals. Right. So uh, I I have uh, religious people in my universe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's difficult sometimes, uh, uh, tolerating the rationale. Uh, but again, sobriety at least gives you the gift of understanding where they're coming from. And as long as their beliefs do not infringe on my freedom as a human being, then it's okay. Now we are, we're also talking at that, at same conversation you were alluding to the fact that that AA perhaps in the 70s didn't, does not right. look like AA is today. Right. And I think a lot of the times is just because we come into a room, it, it means that we bring along our preconceived yeah. ideas, political, social, right. and otherwise. Yeah. I find there is a lot more intolerance uh, going on, and that may be reflected in the political environment right. that we're in here in right. a country at large. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, just because somebody sobers up, they still hold on to preconceived notions or ideas right. that are harmful to people in the aggregate. So, yeah. well, I'm surprised you didn't just give up on AA altogether when you, after reading that book. I mean, because you come to the conclusion that yeah, it is, it is, it is a cult. I mean, I, I'm okay. I, it is a cult. It is, we are cultish. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, so, why did you not leave? I mean, well, you know why, and I'm going to. I, hopefully, I won't embarrass you. Huh? People like you. Yeah. And others like you that are uh, putting out alternatives uh, out on the internet mm-hmm. and Googling mm-hmm. uh, that, hey, come on down. Yeah. We have a meeting that yeah. might be for you. That's yeah. why I didn't give up entirely on AA. Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, and I'm still willing to say that I am a member of Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous. Um, although I'm not anonymous, I don't I don't right. care who knows who or what I yeah. am. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really kind of loosening up on that too. Um, I mean, I don't use my last name on the podcast or anything, but you know, anyone's going to figure out. Anyone who knows me, that yeah, so happens on this, they'll figure out who yeah. I am. I yeah. guess, and that's not such a big deal. But with the internet, you know, I'm on I'm on Facebook all the time. I'm not on the internet all the time. I just don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know if it really matters. I mean, I, I understand that I don't. I'm not going to be out there like the spokesperson for AA or anything like that. I don't want to be making money off of it or anything. But I don't care really if people know that I'm an AA or that I'm an alcoholic or that you know, what I'm doing. And I'm almost kind of thinking it's. 
there's a, there's a few things I've been thinking about lately, but the an- anonymity thing, it's like, I mean, there's a, there, I can, I can see the need for having respect for one's privacy when they come to a meeting, that someone should be, feel safe there, that what they're going to share in that meeting is going to remain in that meeting, and that we don't run around saying, hey, Joe Blow came to our AA meeting, you know, or anything like that. So we should always respect someone's privacy. But at the same time, if we're afraid of letting people know that we had an addiction to alcohol, all that does is further stigmatize the addiction. I couldn't agree more. Talking about anonymity, it's it's, uh, well, it's certainly in politics. Uh, George Bush, too, right. Right. Uh, toted along his political resume the right. fact that he uh, uh, dabbled in cocaine and other things and... Uh, you know, recovered, and that was looked upon as uh, an attribute. You right. know? Uh, let's not even talk about 45. It <laughs> appears that <laughs> other things are attributes. But, no, I looking at it, honestly, people knew I, was, I had a problem with alcohol when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is I also appreciate people with, that have professional licenses, uh, airline pilots, uh, yeah. even bus drivers or what have you. Uh, I, I respect the idea that maybe you should stay right. anonymous. Right. Uh, you know, for instance, I was in a profession that required annual licensing right. and, uh, 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 impairment was was always uh, something you had to answer, mm-hmm. and uh, and you were subject to losing your license, and rightly so. Uh, if if you uh, your impairment led to the endangerment of my clients, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so that's all fine and good. But if I'm in the process of trying to do something about my problem, and someone has uh, uh, ill ill will. Uh, pointed at me because I'm trying to do something mm-hmm. about it. I think that whole thing will take care of itself. That that the greater society will look more favorably on me that I'm trying to do something about it as opposed right. to hiding it. Right. Uh, I mean, look at my skin. Isn't it nice? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no longer red. And my face is no longer blushed and, yeah. and swollen. And my eyes, oh my goodness, those days. Vice, alcohol vice. addiction is so widespread. And addiction itself is just such a widespread problem. Yeah. I mean, almost every family in America is touched by it. I mean, you can't go anywhere, probably in any block, and not find someone who doesn't have someone with an alcohol problem in their family. And I was actually doing a little bit of research um, the other day for something I'm writing, and um, I went to the Centers of Disease Control, and I was trying to look at the death rate for alcoholism or whatever. And something I found there really kind of surprised me that the number, the twelfth, um, the number twelve reason for deaths, the twelfth highest reason for deaths is um, liver um, failure or cirrhosis, cirrhosis of the liver. Isn't that amazing? Number twelve. Isn't that amazing? That blew me away. Because that's like almost, that's just about exclusively almost alcohol related, right? I mean, stress is deeper. Yeah. I mean, so mm-hmm. that's number 12 on the death rate in, in the United States. So that's a huge problem, I think. That's, and that's, that's amazing to me. You know, there is a piece now that you bring that up. Um, uh, the, uh, what is the term I'm looking for? Uh, the male dominance. In traditional AA, yeah, uh, the use of the word "he" right. in reference to God, right. uh, a, a special chapter to the, the wives, right. uh, so on and so forth. As uh, these pieces of our lives are segregated out, and uh, uh, one of the other things that I'm just absolutely happy about is that the women and the men 
there's a commonality and I feel a, a equality among all of us, regardless of our race, our socioeconomic status, uh, our, our sex, our sexual orientation. We're all in this uh, together. Yeah. Um, uh, and we have choices yeah. among us. So, so let's talk a little bit about, I guess, um, you started coming to our group. I think when you, you were coming to our group, I was hunkering down doing some stuff at work and I wasn't going to a lot of meetings at the time. But you started coming to our group, and did you kind of develop a philosophy for the program, or what is your basic philosophy now for um, working through your recovery? My basic philosophy... Uh, I mean, do you believe in the steps and all that kind of stuff still? I believe in myself, okay. primarily. Yeah. I believe in, in um, uh, also living a moral life, and by that I mean, I'm not talking about uh, breaking one of the Ten Commandments right. so much as... Uh, being good to others and treating others as though they they were me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do try to work on remaining uh, outward focused as mm-hmm. opposed yeah, to inward. And uh, I am not a- exclusive, but there's no one else like me that's living my life. So I try, my, my basic philosophy is I open my eyes. I just turned 69. There is an urgency to my living now in the morning. I feel that. Oh my goodness. There's also a realization that there is an end to this. Right. And so let's get on with it, right. Carmen. There's some things I want to get done. Exactly. Right. Uh, you know, the bucket list, I think, I, no, I don't want to do that. <clears throat> in, in the morning, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm given another day. Yeah. Uh, by that, I mean I'm given. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that the essay note, my heart continues to <laughs> throw out an electrical impulse and the ventricles react to it. And there's blood that goes out into my yeah. veins. And uh, eventually, uh, the genetic imprint is going to mean that Carmen is going to age. Uh, and eventually, things start failing. And then there's an end and I, I decompose. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Uh, so... The urgency, there are brighter colors. I'm, I'm looking out your breakfast room uh, window at this moment, and that tree right now looks so vibrant and so green and so alive. And uh, uh, I don't need drugs or alcohol uh, to enhance that. So my philosophy is my own, not like yours. Right. But guess what? We are both sitting here sober. Right. We're not nursing a hangover. Right. And we are free to have our own ideas yeah. about what good living is is yeah. all about. Uh, I don't wake up in jail yeah. anymore. You know, I've never have. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't wake up in strange places. I don't yeah. wake up in strange people or strange things. Right. And uh, these are all benefits to sober, rational living. Yeah, I my my whole um, ideas are still evolving because I I, I spent like twenty five years in a very traditional environment in AA and a real big book focused type of a thing and and um, even um, not that long ago I was still I was still like I I still kind of was interpreting that language you know and trying to. I'm much more loose with it now. I'm much more loose with it now. I mean, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even bother with the old vocabulary. It's all about whatever my experience was and communicating it in my own language mm-hmm. and taking everything that I've learned to, to communicate that in meetings with people. You yes. Know? And 
Um, those steps, I mean, that was that experience at that time. Yes, indeed. You know, that's all that, that's all that is. Yes, indeed. And it's great that they had that experience and I can learn from that experience, but I don't mm-hmm. have to replicate it. Exactly. And I don't have to use that language, like the character defects thing, you know, to me, that's a loosey goosey. I can, I can work on improving myself. I can go see a therapist. I can go do whatever I need to do to improve myself. I can take a class, whatever I want to do. I can work on, on self-improvement is what, how I would see, see that kind of stuff. And I don't really worry too much about like, um, that terminology of higher power. Yeah. I, I, people help me. People help me. It doesn't mean that those people are necessarily my higher power. Exactly. I and mean, why do I have to use that language? So I'm, I'm really, really evolving now to of where, where, where maybe a year ago, someone would say, would talk to me about higher power and stuff. I say, Oh, my higher power is AA or my higher power are the people in the rooms. And I'm like, higher power. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. 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 Indeed. Uh, indeed. And, and you know, the idea of uh, atheism, uh, uh, requires a, quite a bit of uh, thinking. Yeah, uh, because I like that. Exactly. I, you have to think about what this means to you. Exactly. And in order to get to that point, you have to be, or at least I had to be in a process of unlearning. Not only yes. learning, but yes. unlearning. Yep, because many of the reactions that I had to life and its situations yep. were reflexive. Uh, if I prayed about something and it didn't happen, then the next thing was God's will, yeah, uh, his power to whatever uh, the rest of that is. Right. So, yeah, it, it, it takes quite a commitment to be a human being. It does. It does. And, and human being, if we look at the last word, there are a lot of humans in this world. There are very few human beings, and I consider you one of them, John, oh, and many you. of the other people that I know within the group. The word being is, is an adjective. It is a, it is a word that is full of action. And so if you put human with the word being, I am human that is being. And that, mm-hmm. that means also one last, one other thing. I uh, like, like to moth to a flame. I run to people that do not have the answers. Yes. I run to people that say, uh, I, I'm having a, an issue with this and it doesn't appear that A plus B equals C. Yeah. I posted something on, on my Facebook not too long ago, a quote from uh, Alice in Wonderland in which Alice is asking the caterpillar, uh, she's, she doesn't know which direction to take. And the caterpillar, I'm paraphrasing here, essentially says, uh, when you don't know where you're going, any road will do. And my response to it is, I don't trust people anymore that know the right. road. Exactly. Because they are no longer right. required to think. Yeah. And uh, unlike the Mad Hatter, they no longer have that hat to think. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I like people that not are not yeah. confused so much as are seekers. Yeah. And you know when you're talking about, when you talk about like cult, and I don't know if this was in the book or not, but the one area of AA that is a little bit cultish, and in some groups more than others, is the uh, sponsorship thing. Because when you're okay, when you're brand new to AA, usually you're having all kinds of horrible problems in your life. You're scared. Mm-hmm. You're hopeless. And you just want someone to tell you what to do. Yes. And yes. there's a lot of people that will step in and do that. Yes. And really the best thing you should do is just run like hell when someone's <laughs> telling you what you need to do. And what's funny is the people the people that you that you really should be attracted to are the ones that say, I don't know. 
Yes. Uh, you know? yep. <laughs> let's go I, have some coffee. Let's something. go have some coffee. That's it. <laughs> you know? That's it. And 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 uh, and get you to bed without yeah. a drink. Yeah. You know, uh, people like that saying, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to read the big book every single day for 30 days and call me every day. And I want you to go do blah, 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 blah. And, the, and people think, okay, I'm doing something. And because I'm doing something, I'm doing something that someone else is saying, telling me to do. I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then the poor person, if they're not okay, it's somehow their fault. Yeah, the, I think I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the, the very idea of sponsorship, sponsorship in and of itself is cultish. It is, and it's, uh, it worries me more than it, that. Worries me about AA is the culture, the the the, the misuse of sponsorship. Yes, yes, it's it boy, it's power. It you is. have a power over another human being. It started with these weird um, Clancy fruits, really. I'll say it. Clancy Cruz. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> because they have a really weird sponsorship thing. And uh-huh. I've talked about this too, where you have grand sponsors and it's a real authoritative um, system. They have groups like that in Kansas City, in the Kansas City area anyway. But it started with them, but it's kind of seeping into other areas of AA too, where the sponsor is becoming more of a, you know, authoritative, you know, hard ass type of a person. And I don't think that's the way it was meant to be at all. Like Bill and Bob sponsored each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they, they were, well, I guess Bill considered Evie his sponsor and Evie wasn't even sober. And then uh, Bob considered Bill his sponsor. But, but Bill, Bill wasn't telling Bob what to do. Right. Right. I would rather much go, John, I be my sponsor. No. Yeah. John, be my friend. Right. Same here. I think friends are better than sponsors. Exactly. And, you know, something that our group has started doing lately, which I kind of cringe at because I, I understand that everybody means well, but now we do this thing before the meeting starts. Says anybody willing to be a temporary sponsor? Raise your and, hand. Yeah. And for a while, I really wasn't raising my hand because I'm like, I don't even believe in sponsorship. <laughs> 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 One day yeah. I said, I'll do yeah. it, but I'm really not a good sponsor. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but I do uh, want to help people, so I do raise my hand. Gee, there is a, a little bit of titillation at the at the temptation. <laughs> of having a slave yeah. you know in order to sober up you must come to my house and do my home my housework and then my laundry yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah there's some weird stuff like that isn't it grand we can sit here and laugh with one another john oh it is it, it's good to be happy but it's also good to cry every now and then and to yeah. be pissed off and to be jealous and to be uh intolerant yeah. all of these things yeah yeah we don't have to stuff we don't have to hide um, with alcohol or drugs or any of that. We are, we are very fortunate, especially when you consider what's going on with the opioid epidemic and still people dying all around us from alcoholism that we're not, that you and I are sober today. It's, it's something to be thankful for. It truly is. I mean, what we're, what we're seeing going on in our society right now, it's, it's just horrendous. It, it's horrendous. It is. It is. So, yeah. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, it's been a long time since I drank. It'll be 29 years next week. And congratulations. Thank you. But I have not forgotten at all what it was like. I have not forgotten. I, 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 I have not forgotten. You were talking about shame. The shame that I had with my drinking um, was just unbelievable. I was a blackout drinker. I was always afraid that people might have seen me. I was trying to hide my problems from everybody. I was disgusted with myself for constantly getting drunk when I didn't want to. It was horrible. And, but that's how I lived. And I don't live like that anymore. And I, and, and, and it's been so long. I don't even stop to think about it so often. It's just become a natural course of life now that I don't, I don't live that way. But, 
you know, if you live that way, and, and I didn't, I, I, I stopped when I was still fairly young, so I didn't have to go through many, many years of it like some people did. But goddamn, just five or six years of that is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of work to drinking. Yeah. Or, or at least drinking it being functional. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I know for a fact, sitting in this beautiful home of yours, that you are, in fact, professional. And, uh, no. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, to the listeners out there, this is a gorgeous home. Anyway, uh, I worked diligently and I was dedicated to my addiction. I calculated every night, uh, based on my height and weight, the amount of alcohol mm-hmm. I needed to consume in order to be passed out, right. in order to, to answer the bell, which, oh my God, four in the morning, every morning for three decades. You know, and then I had a row of soldiers, pharmacological soldiers, soldiers that in, included Tylenol, Visine, uh, Enderol for the shakes. I mean, I because I was pharmacologically astute, I knew some of the things that that and, and then the uh, the uh, uh, what do they call him? Uh, Forty five uh, puts them in his mouth when he grabs pussy. What's oh? Oh, uh, yeah, oh, those, yeah, yeah, or Tic Tacs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never be able to buy another. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So back to my point. I I worked very hard at it, but again, uh, uh, a handful of years after I quit drinking, I'm going down the halls of a of a hospital, and someone who had not seen me for a number of years passed right on by me, didn't even recognize me, and I turned around and I said, "Steve, well, that's not his name, but Steve," and he turns around and he says, "Is that you? Have you quit drinking?" <laughs> You know, so it was obvious, uh, in spite of my best efforts, everyone knew. However, uh, the bad news was I was doing good work. And, uh, and, and, and and that can be, uh, an additional layer of scourge. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you who, me, I have a problem. No, look at my house, look at my car, look at my status in the community and look at what I do for a living and blah, blah, blah. But when I'm home and the, and, and the drapes are drawn, yeah. I, I'm an animal. Yeah. That makes it more difficult. I, I was fortunate that I, I never really got off the ground, really. I couldn't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I ever could have gotten off the ground. I mean, I don't think I ever could have accomplished anything drinking. It was, you know. Because it's right out of the gate. I was in my 20s when I had my last drink. And oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just before my 26th birthday when I got sober. So um, I was like, you know, I realized when I was about 19 that I had a problem. And I was thinking about going to AA at that time. But um, I just thought I was too young to be an alcoholic. And then from there on. There you go thinking again, John. Shame yeah, on you. Yeah. So I could never, I could never get it together. And I remember actually when I was, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I think when I'm around my anniversary time, I get a little bit reflective. But you know, I think about what it was like for me at that time, being in my twenties and getting sober. And I remember being a little resentful sometimes because people would tell me how lucky I was. Oh, you're such a lucky young man. You're so lucky to be taking care of this problem at the age that you are. And and, and you, you didn't have to lose everything that I've lost. And I remember at the time I was thinking, yeah, but I could never get what you had. I don't know if I'm ever even going to own a house. I don't know if I'm ever going to have a kid or anything like that stuff. You know, I... I never, you know, I never had a chance to get anything. And and who are you to tell me how lucky I am? I feel like crap, you know. I'm, 
you know, so I, I did not, I was really kind of resentful about all that stuff and it kind of made it difficult. But now in hindsight, as I sit here, I'll be 55 soon and I look back and I say, yeah, I was lucky. I wouldn't want to be going through this right now. You know, it'd be more difficult. Um, so I am lucky because I was able to kind of get things together. I was able to go back to school and, you know, move on with my life and have a career and stuff. So yeah, I guess I am lucky, but I didn't feel lucky at the time. And I don't think that we should be telling people that, you know, if I see some kid, I say kid, but I see some young person in their twenties or whatever come to meetings. If I ever hear somebody say, "Oh, you're so lucky," I just, I just I've heard that. I know I've heard. I've it. heard it. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. Oh, please don't tell people that. Yeah, or no. go, or go go out and come back when yeah. you've had enough. Yeah, that that's is so that's wrong. bullshit. That is so wrong. Yes, but it's so wrong. I think, I think about that, but now that that we have a lot of young people now in our group, but. Um, they see me as just some old guy. Isn't that frustrating? I know, but I, I, I can transfer myself back. Yeah. Into, I was in your shoes at one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, how frustrating. But, but yet, uh, I, 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 lo- I love watching the young blossom with, within the, yeah. within our universe of, of uh, self-determination. Uh, yeah. Um, but again, uh, I thank you and uh, Julie and a few others uh, within our group uh, that have gone out, spread the message. I hate to use that term, yeah. but, you know, make others aware yeah. who have quit traditional AA that there is yet another possibility uh, another road that you might consider taking, and that would we're be... We're all pioneers still, exactly. and you're one with us, and uh, we're, all, we're all doing it now, And because we're still at the very beginning of this. I really do believe that we're going to see more secular groups spring up around in, in our area. Uh-huh. Um, I would like to definitely see some on the Kansas side. I would like to see some out in the suburbs, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, Lee Summit, Blue Springs, north of the river, even south of us. We should start getting some... Well, yeah, I I I travel and 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 I'm not self-flagellating for sharing this. I travel uh, thirty miles each way uh, to get to these meetings, and uh, uh, where I live in the northern part of the city, Mm -hmm. across the river, Mm -hmm. uh, right now the culture just would not tolerate. (laughs) Oh my God, no! I mean it, it. there's without a doubt a secular approach to AA would not be tolerated. You would be asked to, to, you know, leave how different it gets when you just get outside the city limits a little bit. It's the only thing that keeps me (laughs) rational and reasonable. The fact that I can get into my car and go back to my tribe across the river, you know, uh, that's another podcast in terms of the political environment, but, uh, you know, there are alcoholics where I live. And uh, there are AA groups where I live, uh, but none like the one I belong to now. Um, So, well, I want to thank you very much for coming over here and sharing this with me. I'm going to do more of these with people from our group. Oh, (laughs) good. good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And um, it's really been great having you in the group. And I just I just really admire your intelligence and, um, you know, your dedication to everything that you're doing. And it's just been wonderful. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate your your kind words. And uh, again, congratulations to you on the things that you're doing and doing it very well. Thank you. Uh, Well, thanks a lot, Carmen. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon enough with another episode for your listening pleasure. Until then, 
Don't drink, go to meetings, and help others.